You may have noticed that uh, this podcast has a new name. We will now be known as the River City Ramble. This is due to uh, the threat of legal action that we do not want to take on from an LLC that is has the officers of Sporting Kansas City involved that apparently started this for their podcast, Soccer Capital of America, that they have not created an episode in four months and has really failed to take off. But we just do not have the wherewithal to put up a legal fight and did not have the wherewithal to trademark our name. And uh, so the big boys are up so petty. They have decided to threaten legal action against us. Uh, the team, supporter groups, are know about this. They're pretty angry. Um, we have put this off. We've mentioned, hinted at it. It's not a big secret, kind of an open secret out there. But we're ready to just move on. So nothing will change. We're just changing the name. Uh, new artwork, you see. We already had that planned uh, to refresh our logo before all this started anyway. So welcome to the River City Ramble. Enjoy. I I know you will, and I know you'll continue to keep following us. Because we're going to bring the same great stuff for you all the time as we have been. Welcome. Welcome, all you frozen, frostbitten winners to this special review episode of St. Louis City's historic fourth consecutive win to start their campaign in MLS as an expansion franchise. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me is a man who says an appendage became frostbitten in the bitter cold at City Park on Saturday night, but refuses to reveal which one. It's producer Mason. How are you feeling today, Mason? Making my triumphant return to the show minus uh, some digits. <laughs> and also joining us is a man who will ridicule flat earth conspiracy theorists to their face, but secretly believes the moon is indeed flat. It's Sean Campbell. And how are you today, Sean? Oh, I'm doing quite well, considering I didn't suffer the same pose and freeness that Mason did, but <laughs> we're all good. That moon is round, it's flat, it's made of cheese, the moon is a cheese-it, prove me wrong. You know, we've been there. Uh, Mason and I, on a special mission for the U.S. Air Force <laughs> and NATO, but we don't want to get into that for now. Uh, Security and clearance we, and all that. <laughs> yeah. We we went to the the sound stage that they used to fake the moon landing that's on the moon. <laughs> uh, stop it, stop it. We don't want to get into that. Uh, and not joining us today is a man who's nursing a knock. Chris Zimmerman took one for the team Saturday night at City Park by blocking an Edu Leuven free kick with his face, leaving him bloodied and swollen. If you're in doubt, it indeed was in the 41st minute on a... The Leuven free kick that sailed up into the north end, and it did catch Chris square in the face. Uh, you could take a look. There are pictures on uh, Twitter, uh, been shared by him and others, about uh, the aftermath and the effects of uh, the young man really stepping up his game and making a contribution to the big win over San Jose. And it's that big win that we're here to talk about. Um uh, Big win. Cold win, but a big one. Uh, the city starting 11 was a little different. We had Roman Berkey, as usual, in the back. Uh, we had, at fullbacks, Jake Nowitzki and John Nelson. That's the same. Center back, though, Kyle Hebert and Lucas Bartlett, who got the start over the ailing Tim Parker, who has a niggling groin injury. Uh, wasn't ready to go on this one. He's listed day to day. We'll see how it goes for next week's game. Uh, in the midfield. You had Jared Stroud, Indiana Vasilev, Edward Leuven, and Rasmus Alm. And then up front, two players. We had Nico Giacchini and Jao Klaus as they went with the 4-4-2 at home to give a little more attacking presence. And boy, did that work. San Jose traveled in to play this game with uh, goalkeeper J.T. Marcinkowski. They had uh, Miguel Tralco and Carlos Acapo as fullbacks, Rodriguez and Jonathan Minson, the center backs, had a midfield of Carlos Garezo, uh, Jackson Ewell, Cade Cal, and Christian Espinoza. Tommy Thompson was in for the suspended Jamiro Montero, and Jeremy Abobasi was up front as a striker for them. 
As the game unfolded, it was a pretty fast and quick start. Both teams having opportunities. It was back and forth. Um, And in the 14th minute, uh, Rodriguez, the center back for San Jose, took a yellow card. I believe that was for time-wasting as he committed a foul uh, and then kicked the ball away and got the yellow card on that. He didn't kick the ball away. He swatted it. He literally put it down and then shoved it away with his hand right in front of the referee. Yeah, right in front of the referee. A really silly red card for a center back to have in the 14th minute, quite honestly. Uh, some of no, the frustration that got the, red for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the uh, frustrations that the style play that City has will do for opposing teams, especially in the the pit of hell that is a City Park for opposing teams. A uh, big, pl- uh, big moment in the match was in the 29th minute. The defensive midfielder, and a good one, uh, Carlos Grezo, had to go out for an injury, bringing in Michael Baldissimo. And um, I just like saying Baldissimo. Uh, and how did that turn out? Well, in the 33rd minute, we had a Nico Giacchini goal. Beautiful play. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Trauco, the fullback for San Jose, got a... Uh, uh, yellow card in the 40th minute and on the ensuing free kick. That's when Edu Leuven took offense to Chris Zimmerman's face. In the Then play continued on late in the first half, 45 minutes and three minutes into stoppage. Chow Klaus on uh, a beautiful play, just a beautiful play, scores the second goal. And uh, that really seemed to take the whole steam out of the game for San Jose in the cold. It went into halftime down 2-0. They made changes at halftime. They brought uh, Trauco and Thompson out. Paul Marie replaced Trauco. Ben Kikovic in for Thompson. And Kikovic made a statement very early by grabbing a yellow card in the 46th minute. Uh, City made their first change with uh, Rasmus Alm coming out and Thomas Ostrak coming in. And... uh, San Jose also made their change with Rodriguez, the center back, coming out. And Tanner Beeson in. Pierce, uh, Rodriguez picked up a knock. Uh, there was a, yellow, a lot of yellow cards for San Jose. Uh, Cade Cowell picked up one in the 64th minute. Uh, other changes for City. Klaus and Stroud came out in the 65th, replaced uh, by Samuel Adinaran and Miggy Perez, making uh, yet another appearance for St. Louis City. And that was uh, the response that uh, San Jose for that was a yellow card to Michael Baldissimo. And uh, coming off of that, Thomas Ostrak on a nice uh, bit of perseverance, I'll say, by the city squad. Thomas Ostrak takes the third crack at goal and scored, making it 3-0. And effectively, that was ballgame. You could see it in the body language of the San Jose players at that point. Kate Cal was replaced by Osini Buda in the 83rd. And then in the 86th, uh, head coach Bradley Carnell decided to take uh, Nico Giacchini and Indiana Vasilev out so Azil Jackson could make his uh, first appearance for uh, City. And Cecilio Popeo came in. And then finally, the last bit of the game. This was a little unfortunate, but uh, four, uh, in four minutes of stoppage time, Edu Leuven picked up a yellow card for, uh, you know, it, too many infringements, uh, let's say. On that, it's uh, bad for him to pick up a yellow card. You only get five for you have to miss a game uh, right at the end of the game, perhaps playing a little too hard to the final whistle when you clearly have the match won. But let's take a look at the key moments, which are always goals in a match. And uh, first of all, we had a Nico Giacchini goal. And uh, what did you see in that one, Sean? Well, my view from the press box was quite wonderful, I have to say. Um, but on this one, it was, it was okay, just, rub it in, buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. Calm down. Any chance I get to talk about the fact that I'm taking this podcast to the next level by getting us in that press box, I'm going to do. All right. Let me have this, bro. I'm being excited for today. Us. You are a man, <laughs> but on this play, it was, it was a great bit of buildup, um, from Klaus and Loven in the midfield midfield. They ended up putting the ball out wide to Nelson. Nelson puts a beautiful ball back into the middle. It goes just behind Klaus, and I thought, that's it. That's the end of the attack. But it ended up falling just in front of Rodriguez, who attempts to go down to one knee and looked like he was trying to chest it away. But it just skirts right by him as he's swinging that far shoulder out to hit it. Lands right at the feet of Giacchini. And Giacchini takes a bit of a heavy touch, but somehow manages to get through it by getting goal side on the remaining uh, Earthquakes defender. And 
Marcinkowski comes out to play the ball, but Joe Akini manages to literally stab his his trailing leg at it and pokes it just behind Marcinkowski and gets the opener for City. And boy, I almost got kicked out of the press box for this one because I was besides myself that it happened. And I got halfway up out of my chair and then realized, wait a minute, I'm not allowed to cheer up here. Yeah, on this one, uh, yeah, I don't. If Nelson was trying to pass that to Klaus, both he and uh, Gio Kini were making runs. Uh, that was a pretty awful pass, to be quite honest. But because they had the two strikers and Giacchini was making a run, it came right to him. Uh, we did not get a full match replay from uh, MLS Season Pass for this match. Uh, so I don't know who the defender was that Giacchini just really knocked off the knocked out of his way so he could get to the ball to poke it in. But it was a theme from this point forward that it just looked like City wanted this game more than the Earthquakes. I will say, though, I think, and we'll get it more into it later, but I wanted to make sure it was stated. I think Joachini was making that run specifically in case the ball was not weighted correctly for Klaus to get to so that he could get a touch on it. And it just happened to miss the defender that tried to step into it. The Rodriguez tried to step into it and just missed it. And Joaquini happened to be making the good backup run, and it fell to his feet as he as it should have because that was the run he should have been making. Yeah, there was some incredible bend on that pass from Nelson into the box. Maybe he should be taking some free kicks. That was almost Diego Almada stuff on that pass, but it worked out very well for City. Well played, very well played. Then the second goal was uh, Jao Klaus. This was a beautiful thing. What did you see on that, Sean? This was really a, a, a big, big time individual effort from Joao Klaus. And we, I was expecting to see this kind of thing from Christian Espinosa, not from Klaus. Uh, but I'm happy Klaus did it. And I know I know we can we can see it from him. Originally, Loven had the ball and, and was disp- dispossessed in the midfield. But Klaus pressuring back from that striker position, regains the possession and uses a quick one-touch pass back to Joel Keeney, who then, to, to try to relieve some pressure and get running forward, start putting numbers forward. Joel Keeney then passes it right back to Klaus, gets on his horse. He takes a, he tries to make a no-look pass to, it looked like Alm or or someone else running down the middle, but I think it was Alm. Um, that didn't go quite as planned, ended up taking a deflection off a defender. Klaus then splits said defenders to get to the ball and dribbles through them keeps dribbling into the box and then splits another pair of San Jose defenders and just rips a shot, goes right through the legs of Marcinkowski. Absolutely glorious individual effort from Klaus. He started the play, built up the play, and then finished the play, all while using City players as, uh, you know, his fellow players as as touchstones to get, get it done. But his celebrations, they need a little bit of work. I wish you weren't so freaking awkward there, bud. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I have a little bit about that a little later in our uh, preview here. Uh, but it was quite a play by Klaus. Uh, uh, the uh, analyst in the first match, uh, Tony Smith, uh, described him as, I mean, uh, Ross Smith uh, described him as being delicate when he scored that late goal. Uh and uh, in this one, he looked pretty delicate, dancing and weaving and bobbing his way through traffic, trying the no-look pass uh, that didn't play, but that didn't stop him. And again, the way he just fought through the San Jose defense, he just wanted it more than they did. And it was quite apparent on that one. It's, what was the the, ter- the phrase they used? I think it was last week, a deer trying to get out of a car or something like that. <laughs> that, was Taylor Taylor Twelman. Taylor Twelman. <laughs> that was Taylor Twelman during the uh, first home match against Charlotte uh, about how sometimes he looks awkward, you know, like in his celebrations, um, you know, but, you know, a deer probably does look a little awkward getting out of the car. But once it does, it can run like the wind. And we've seen that a little bit from Klaus. He looks slow, and I think that speed is part of his toolbox as well. He's deceptively fast. And, uh, of course, he's not deceptively strong. Yeah, but, yeah, he can kind of explode out of places where you're not really expecting it because he kind of lumbers for the most part. But then, like, yeah, he's got, like, a really uh, explosive burst of speed to split those defenders and get through there. Yeah, he's been a revelation so far, not just to us City fans, but... uh, all uh, MLS soccer fans around the league and globally as well. And then uh, the final goal, the um, 
the stake to the heart of the vampires that are the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, Thomas Ostrak coming off the bench, getting his first, uh, opening his MLS account, I believe is the phrase it's often said, with a fine taking goal here. And what did you see on that one, Sean? Well, on this one, it was it was a set piece that we, we knew we were going to get set piece opportunities in dangerous areas. We knew they were going to come back to bite the Earthquakes in, in the end. And this one really did. It was off the back of that free kick um, on the yellow card. Uh, ball gets put in, and Espinosa ends up trying to have to play defense and clear his lines right there just outside the box. Gets dispos- absolutely dispossessed by Leuven, who puts a shot in. That gets blocked by a defender that I, I just couldn't see who it was at the time. Um, the ball comes back out. Second ball lands at the feet of Indiana Vasilev, who has himself a rip. That's blocked by the same defender. That ball then falls out, and the second ball is won by Ostrak, uh, a little bit more centrally, just outside the arch at the top of the box, and has himself a touch just to the outside of a defender and rips it home, takes a deflection just outside of Marcinkowski, and just tucked neatly inside that that outside post. It, it was... It's it's it is textbook definition of why you should always follow up your shots with more shots, kids. Yep. But remember and, to drink uh, responsibly. The uh, <laughs> the analyst on the uh, broadcast, or at least I should say the replay, because couldn't see the broadcast, um, did say that uh, talking about how people will call it city lucky. They made this lucky. He goes, if you get uh, second balls for three chances at it and take cracks at goal, things are going to happen. It's not luck. It's outworking your opponent. I believe in the hockey world, they call that making your own luck. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much been most of it. We have had a couple of gifts, but hey, we were in we the made those gifts happen, Mike. We made those gifts happen. Yeah, you can yeah. get the gift, but you've got to make the goal as well. And they have done that. Uh, what's some <laughs> of the go out there and put pucks on net? <laughs> other than the goals, which are always goals, what's some of the key moments in the match for you guys? Well, first off, I definitely think the one of the biggest moments in this match was actually not a city moment, but it was in that 53rd minute. There was a good opportunity where Nelson on the far on the left side slips as he's trying to clear the ball. The ball ends up falling to Christian Espinosa out wide, and he puts a beautiful ball across the front of goal, and it ends up going across um, Obobasi and Cade Cowell, and both of them were just a couple inches shy of putting a toe on it and putting it right past Berkey. Um, and I think that is one of the key moments in this game because that's about the time that, that the Quakes really started to realize we can't do anything. This was our one chance to score and we couldn't put it in. We just got to get out of here at this point because they really started. If they weren't already losing hope when they came out of that dressing room going down 2-0, that moment really kind of started to, you know, shaking the keys as we used to in high school football of beat the traffic. It. it that was the moment for me that really saw them. The life started to really drain out of them at that point because they're, they they just couldn't even put in a simple toe poke like that. Yeah, Cal just missed it by a couple of inches, too. And uh, Christian Espinoza, if I could speak, uh, was really kept quiet in this match. He had a couple of moments. He had a just a beautiful uh, slalom run through midfield in the 13th minute to led to... Uh, uh, Cade Cal getting a shot on goal right into uh, Roman Berkey's breadbasket. And then in the 61st minute, Cal Cowell found himself all alone in the box, took a point blank shot, and uh, Roman Berkey came up huge on that one. And yeah, that was that was another beautiful ball in from Espinoza, who yeah. had two city players on him over by the corner flag, managed to win it out and win possession take a touch, put it right on Cowell, who was all alone, unmarked at the penalty spot, and just put it right into... He he put it where he should have, and no, most goalkeepers would not be able to get there, but Roman Berkey, the love of my life, I'll let him kiss my wife, Roman Berkey, comes up <laughs> huge in that moment. And in this match, uh, City only gave up two shots on goal in this match. Uh and then there was the big chance with that cross that Cowell just couldn't get the end of. That wasn't on goal. That's really the only three scoring chances that I could see San Jose really had. Two of them were quite good, um, but they didn't score on any of them. Clean sheet. So, you guys, what did uh, City do that you did expect to happen in this match? 
Well, I'll start off with uh, they. I, I really fully expected them to stifle the possession, the possession with a purpose from San Jose, and they did that really well. They got quick pressure on the player that was receiving a pass in the midfield and any chance to build up. Um, that made that made it so that any midfielder or any central player that was trying to get the ball and turn it upfield couldn't turn around, couldn't make another quick pass back up the field. They couldn't turn and dribble into space or take people on head on. And that really stifled a lot of their possession. They couldn't get anything to really build up from there. It was beautiful to see. And I total, I, I expected the high press to do that because that's something that we're going to talk about all season because that's what our midfield is very good at doing. Yeah, and a shout out to Jake Nervitsky in this match. I thought he was quite good, honestly. Um, another thing that really saw in this one was... Uh, how City really clogged all the passing lanes, made it so hard for the Quakes to have any real buildup on the rare occasion. They established possession. They did dominate possession, but to say that they had any uh, possession with a real attacking threat is kind of a stretch. They had a couple of moments, as any team would get. Uh, and uh, Sean, you did notice something about that in the warmups, didn't you? Yeah, actually, um, it, but before I get into that real quick, I just want to say that I did notice the actual possession stats were only about 45-55, so it wasn't quite the domination we've seen in the last two games of San Jose, but they de- they had, quote-unquote, more of the possession. Um, but I did notice in warm-ups that it looked like the City players, the, especially the midfielders, were working on quick pass uh, a quick passing drill where there were two people in the center of a circle and they were closing down on a pass while also block, you know, a player receiving the ball while also blocking off the potential passing lanes back out. Um, and there were some quick passes happening and they were cutting those out very well. It was, it was good work for them. And it's, it's good to see that the coaching staff can really read the strengths of another team and adjust, not necessarily the formation and tactics, but the things they need to work on and focus on within their system and the fluidity of said system. Um, and I'm sure in training all week, they worked on having that structure set up where they are clogging passing lanes and obscuring where player, you know, anticipating where players are going to make the runs to and being in spots where they have to make runs that they normally wouldn't. So they can't make those quick, incisive one, two passes that we've seen San Jose be able to do, especially down that right side. Yeah, and uh, we did expect him to to turn to quickly turn turnovers into a chance, even if it's a half a chance. They had what was it, twenty shots, eight on goal, seven of them were blocked. You know, to score a goal, oftentimes you got to kind of have to make a shot. Uh, and City it has uh, no shame in their game when it comes to uh, taking shots, is there? I mean, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky. Michael yeah. Scott, Sean Campbell. But yes, <laughs> um, you put a bunch of shots on Easier and you, you should expect to get at least one goal. Unless, of course, you're a certain blue team that plays in the wrong state um, that puts 30 shots on <laughs> and can't even get a single goal. Um, but yeah, no, you, you put enough shots on with volume. You're going to put one in the back of the net. And we, we saw that as exactly work out almost exactly to a T in that second half when we had those three shots on that same on that one goal. Yeah, I said before the season started that I was kind of worried because City 2's attacking style was essentially just shots on net. They really just went out there and just poured on shots and ex- you know, you expect some of those to eventually go in and I was kind of worried it's like MLS defenses are not going to let you do that. Turns out I was wrong. Yep. <laughs> if, if, you, well, if you go in there on them fast enough and disrupt them enough, you can just pour it on them, too. I mean, you're you're partially right um, in that if you just take shots whenever you, you want to take shots, you're not going to score that often. It's about getting those high-quality shots in the high-danger areas, and that's where I, I think a lot of uh, City 2 was missing a bit of it last season but then again, it's a developmental league. That's there for the that's the purpose of the league is to learn how to get those high quality shots available. And we're seeing the product of that, of these guys playing through that league for half a season for some of the international guys coming up and actively getting those high quality shots for for Klaus, for Ostrak, for even Alm, who has had some great shots and just hasn't put, opened his account yet. But he will soon mark my words. And uh Again, we're getting used to this. Bradley Carnell has have a, a 
effective use of his subs. They tend to make a difference, but I think also a lot of that comes down to that, uh, what used to be a hated term, designated team. Now I'm finding that to be an actual point of pride. Uh, there is a really next man step up, and uh, with the system, all these players can plug and play and uh, find themselves in a situation that they can succeed. Uh, let's move it along, and uh, what are some of the things that you did not expect from City? Uh, that you did see during this game. I will say that uh, while I expected Christian Espinosa's role to be minimized in this match, his I did not expect City to make him such a non-factor that I barely even noticed he was on the pitch. The only two times I even saw where Espinosa was was those two times he put across from that, that right side corner flag. Outside of that, you know, and maybe a dribble here or there. I barely, he did I have saw, barely saw him on the ball. Dribble early through the midfield. I remember uh, in the north end just shouting, "Stop him! Don't let him do that!" And really, they did. Yeah, no he he did not have he did not have very many touches on the ball. It seemed he his passes were. I guess they happened, but I never, I didn't really see him on the ball much. And the one time I did see him checking back, it was on that free kick and. He flubbed it to a point where we ended up scoring on that exact same play. So I, yeah. I, I did not expect them to make him that impotent in, in their buildup, but they managed to go out and surprise me. Yeah, early on, I was noticing that uh, on defense, and it's very easy to see because of those uh, city red jerseys out there, they had a very you know solid defensive structure. Uh, they were cutting out plant passing lanes. Uh, that probably continued through the rest of the game. But by then, my eyeballs had frozen, and I couldn't see much. Uh, <laughs> uh, they got the shutout, the first clean sheet, really limited uh, San Jose. And I think a lot of that was to do that uh, the high press was very quick and effective in this match. Portland, it wasn't. Maybe they had to do what they were so afraid of Portland's counter. But it seemed much quicker, faster, and stronger, and better in this one and that really enabled them to limit basically almost all scoring chances for San Jose yeah and I mean I, I was not expecting them to get the shutout I was expecting them to limit things to a point where you know it would be a 3-1 game but the shutout I didn't think it was ever going to happen but it happened and you know the less you talk about it the more likely it is I guess you don't want to say the s word before it happens yeah and I, I saw that one in game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs so <laughs> and uh, Mason had mentioned earlier that uh, it wasn't the direct play that uh, was expected. Instead, they had some real crisp, sharp, smart passing in the attacking third to the point that Bradley Carnell in the postgame press conference actually pointed that out, that that was quite improved from them. And I had a feeling Tim Parker wasn't going to play if he was day-to-day -day with a groin injury. You don't want to turn that from him missing a game or two into him missing you know, eight to 10 weeks, uh, which especially, can easily do. Especially if you run him out there on the off chance that you need him over someone else in that cold of a game. Yeah. Yep. Anything muscle related, you put someone out in the cold when they have a, a, a tweak or just a little bit of tightness, it can really hamper them, make them play poorly, have to sub them out and then make their injury, their recovery time exponentially longer. Um, I will say I was not expecting Bartlett to get the start. I was expecting no. Yarrow, but that's me having my heart pour into my analysis a little bit. Yarrow will forever be one of my favorite players on this squad. Yep, and uh, I heard this mention on Flyover Footy. They had anticipated it might be Bartlett because he's a sizable dude, a tall guy. Hebert is not necessarily tall. They lack some height in the back. Bartlett is a big one. So maybe that's the reason why he did get the start. But I was a little surprised to see him out there and uh, must have played well because I didn't notice him. And when it comes to a center back and you don't notice them, they're doing their job. Uh, mm -hmm. What's some other thoughts you guys had about the game? Too damn cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's uh, that North End supporter section, um, which we still have not named yet. And I will come up with random names eventually and hopefully some one of them will stick but i heard one today or the other last night actually the eads brid militia we should bring that Ooh. back Ooh, i like actually, that i like that uh, to be honest yeah i heard that one from our number one listener ryan 
He he ah, talked about the Eads Bridge, Eads Bridge Militia. That's a good um, shot, Ryan. But yes, um, that north end was a lot louder than I was expecting it to be from the press area, to be completely honest. Um, you guys were loud. You were proud. Uh, the chants were always going. It was constant. I could hear it echoing off the south end. Um, but I will say that it could the, the stadium could be louder, but that's just because of the sheer number of fans that aren't constantly chanting like the north end did. Yeah. And that's totally fine. I'm not I'm not saying anyone's doing a bad job. Y'all are doing amazing over there. Keep doing what you're doing. And hopefully I can join you more often than I'm up in the box listening to you. Uh, but when it came down to uh, Tommy Thompson had himself a rough half, honestly, because he came out with that early, really harsh challenge on Joaquini. And from that point on, the south side was the one starting it as soon as that ball got anywhere near him. The entire stadium was deafeningly booing him to the point where I could barely hear the guy sitting literally right next to me as we were discussing the game as it was happening. That stadium has the potential to be so loud, and I cannot wait for it to happen. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were at the uh, top of the supporters section uh, last night. Uh, probably could have used to be down by the field. It was colder than I expected in the stadium. Uh, but there were some people around us that uh, weren't chanting uh, as much as uh, they could have been. Um, but, you know, my voice was going out. The cold and the dry air was getting to me. So I probably could have been shouting, uh, chanting louder and shouting louder than I was. So that is something. But to uh, have a sellout on a night like that, in uh, right before the first day of uh, spring, to be that bitterly cold and have the uh, stadium that full, and everybody was still standing all the way to the end, all across the stadium, uh, that was great. It was just a fantastic environment to be in. Yeah, I was going to mention, like, it, kind of like the home opener, everyone in the lower bowl was standing the whole match. And then towards the end of the second half, everyone on the upper deck is standing too. And it's like, you know, we're the only ones that have to stand. You guys can sit down, but apparently they don't want to. I mean, that's that's just props to the fans that are in the arena. Absolutely love it. Um, and and on the goals, it was even more deafening. I couldn't even hear myself think after those goals happened. And uh, how about uh, as Peter Wood with the club, the content creator, called it on a tweet uh, that pregame moment. When everything was in city red, that was kind of special, more awe inspiring yeah, than it sounds to describe it. Honestly, the picture, yeah, it do was not very cool. Yeah. And it was, I wasn't expecting it either because they left all the lights on for the first match because of the card stunt. Um, so I don't, I wasn't expecting it. I don't know if anyone else was either because we had never seen it, but that was pretty cool when all the lights go down and then just like the, the ad banners all turn red. And yeah, that was cool like like red out in the stadium uh the south end uh jumbotron was out wasn't working uh missed that missed that quite a bit because as high as mm-hmm. up as we were we couldn't turn around and see the board behind the uh, supporters section uh look when, when it's 26 degrees outside you get to take a day off yeah things, things <laughs> yeah. happen and it could have been worse it could have been another power outage that puts the stadium out of commission for a couple of months <laughs> don't, don't don't say that come on <laughs> Uh, I will say, though, uh, going getting back onto the pitch a little bit, though, um, I, 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 it needs to be stated that even before we started seeing the life and energy really get drained out of the Quakes players mid midway through that second half, um, late in the first half and like about halfway through that first half into late, late first half, I did start seeing them try to consistently build up down the left side. And, and connect through that way because Espinosa was so minimized. And it was at that point that I saw them consistently trying to do the exact opposite of what their strength is. That was when I knew this game was over. Um, it, it really seemed like they weren't giving up, but they were throwing everything and the kitchen sink at it, and they just couldn't get it to work. Yeah, the, uh, the defending on the Klaus goal, especially as he danced his way through them all, seemed uninspired 
uh, and they really looked uninspired on Ostrak's goal, allowing City to outfight them for every second ball. So they just kept putting it in and putting it in and putting it in until they put it in. Um, going back to something uh, Sean referenced earlier, one thing I take away from this is uh, Klaus does really need to work on his knee slide game. Every time he does it, he seems to take a tumble. I'm afraid that one of these days he's going to hurt himself trying to celebrate his goal or he even did a tumble trying to celebrate Joe Kinney's goal. I will I that say one was funny though. <laughs> I will say though, I think I think it's I think I'm less worried about him going trying to do a knee slide and just, you know, scuffing his knees on the pitch and then landing on his stomach. I'm less worried about that than some of these players, uh, especially the you know, the ones that that have played in, say, the Israeli league for a while. Um, the big the big celebration in that league is to do the Ozzy Smith. And you do the 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 cartwheel into the back handspring. Yeah, and... we don't need we don't need the big guy doing that, do we? Yeah, no, I I don't want to see anybody do pull pull what happened with that Mets pitcher at the World Baseball Classic where he tears oh, an ACL mid celebration because they just won a game. I'm I do not want to see that. And remember, Ozzy the Wizard only did that on opening day, and there's a reason he only did it one time a season. Yeah. Um, I did the, the Klaus completely botching the, 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 the Nico, uh, Selly was funny though. Cause he, he completely overshoots Nico and then has to like knee walk back to him <laughs> like a deer getting out of a car. Uh, hey, hey, but we love Klaus Joao. If you're listening, we really appreciate everything you're doing. Um, but maybe go talk to some of the European guys about how to properly slide on the grass. That's all I'm saying. Any other, uh, you know, odd thoughts about the game? The the gods have demanded that we get our seat at Soccer Valhalla. <laughs> I will say, um, last minute thoughts. I think Miggy Perez. Uh, again, Miggy, if you Miguel, if you're listening and you prefer Miguel and not Miggy, please let us know. Um, he had a couple of good efforts late in that second half where he really could have gotten his first goal and opened his account too. Um, I'm fully expecting to see great things from him in the in the upcoming the rest of the season and, and into next year, uh, really proving that at 17, he deserves a spot on this first team and really deserves to be playing in this in these matches, uh, it, it, not just because Blom is out or we've had injuries, but because he's earned that spot uh, and anyone that's friends with him should be very happy for him and give him all of the support and all of all of the praise. And, and then on top of that, speaking of fr- praise. I did notice one of the cooler moments you would not catch on on the broadcast, even if you were watching it live on Apple TV. There was a moment late in the second half after Berkey had made an absolutely massive save that the the entire North End started chanting Berkey, Berkey, Berkey. And without turning around, he just puts his arm up and gives him a little wave. And then and, and then everyone just gives him raucous, thunderous applause recognizing you know hey i gotta focus but i hear you guys that was just a very special connection to me and i very much enjoyed that uh, there was somebody that was standing near to us says he heard us like he wouldn't hear through three thousand people right behind him <laughs> shouting his name <laughs> look that's a noisy building you never know <laughs> yeah that's true uh you know notable players in this match uh you know this is fair they're basically all city players uh, you did have a shout out though in the the rundown sheet here, Sean, about one of San Jose's players. Oh yeah, poor Tommy Thompson. I mentioned earlier he got booed anytime the ball was anywhere near him, and uh, booed off the pitch. He got booed off the pitch. I don't know if that's actually what happened, but that's what my brain is going to believe is that he got booed so harshly that he had to get subbed off because he couldn't play anymore. That's we'll where my brain's that. going. We will run Rem- with that. Removed from match for bad vibes. Yep. He didn't yeah. pass the vibe check, so he had to get cut. And, uh, you know, years Tommy back... Tommy Thompson makes work tackle ever asked to leave City Park. <laughs> there was a time a few years back when a lot of people that followed MLS thought that Tommy Thompson was going to be something. He was a fine young player, but he just never really developed uh, like we expected. Uh, the striker partnership of Joe Acchini and Klaus together. Um, that really seems to be working. Joe Acchini is a great compliment to Klaus. Klaus has a lot of tools he can use as well. And it just makes him more uh, soccer-y, 
more offensive, more attacking in their play uh, with that. I will say that that the the inter, the interwork between the two is it's getting it's getting good and it's gelling really well. Um, I noticed that they started in the last time that they started as um, striker pair. Um, they tried a little bit of cheeky back heel, no look passes, one touch back and forth between the two of them, ticky tacky to try to get around players. And it just didn't quite go off just right. But in this match, they really seem to have a much better sense of where the other one is on the pitch. Uh, they're getting better at reading each other and knowing where the run's going to happen, when it's going to happen and where it's going to go. And that even if Joaquini ends up playing out wide, it, it, that can still be very useful, especially if the ball is won it very high up the pitch by Leuven and then gets it out to one of them. And then the other one has to play with, you know, Klaus has to pass it to Joachini and then back to somebody else. That that interplay is going to be very crucial moving forward, especially as we start, as we have to continue to rotate this lineup, as we saw with Parker taking a break because he's played every single minute of every single match so far up until yesterday. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Edward Leuven, uh, we ought to just name this segment after him, the Edward Leuven Memorial Notable Players List. Uh, he just another strong game. Uh, there's a build up to the first goal uh, where he had the ball in midfield, some nice passing, and just with that big frame of his, just bodied uh, one of the San Jose defenders to the ground and kept on going, feeding the ball over to Nelson to set up the just whole play. Just trucked him. Yeah, yeah. it was... <laughs> Lovin is, is he's he's a bit wiry, but he's definitely a strong player in the midfield and and can oh, play yeah. that that six destroyer role that we're coming to expect from Blum when he comes back from his his illness. We'll yeah. say Lovin's Lovin's playing the ten with the size of a center back, so that's what we've got, and that's a whole that's a whole force of nature. Him and Klaus when they're in forward in attack for defenses to try to um, try to stop. Uh, another Speaking big one was. I was going to say, speaking of center backs, I, I do want to mention that again, Hebert and this time instead of Parker, it is uh, it was Bartlett. Bartlett. The two of them stayed out of the announcer's mouths for the most part, and they were quiet, which means they had a great game. They sh they stopped a lot of they, they blocked a few shots. They cut out several passes. They did well building up you know, connect, getting a ball back in our half and building, you know, getting it to Leuven and building back up that way. Uh, they, they were very quiet for the most part. And that means they had a pretty good game. Uh, it's, we didn't have as many desperation clearances as we saw in say Portland. Yeah. And, uh, it's good to see Thomas Ostrak, uh, open his account. Um, very good to see what we saw was him moving to his left and putting in a snapshot, had some pace on it, clipped the defender, redirected it, uh, pretty goal. And in the post-game press conference, Bradley Carnell did speak about Ostrak, said he had been suffering a bit of flagging confidence uh, coming into the match. And uh, he was saying, what do you do to help that? Well, one thing is to use him as a substitute against tired legs to help him build himself back up and get uh, the game back into him. And that worked in this match. Uh, he had another nice shot that was saved uh, er later on in the match as well. Also, uh, Carnell did say that uh, he has been suffering from bouts of fatigue, especially when he starts a match, perhaps just overworking himself early. So they gave him a little different gym routine. They're trying to build that up. And uh, he did say that uh, Ostrak is trending on the up. So we look for him to build into what many of us thought was going to be a breakout year for him and one of the big stars of the team. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely been showing uh, as as they're using him more as that super sub role. That definitely has been shown as as a good way to get players back into their form. Um, I mean, heck, even Tottenham Hotspur has taken that approach with Son, who has not been playing up to his attacking acumen this season, to say the very least about that. Uh, bring him on as a super sub get that touch for goal back, get the ability to, you know, know how long they're going to be on the pitch and measure for that and then start extending the amount of time that they're subbed in for to the point where, okay, you can go for a full half. Now let's have you run 60 with that halftime in the middle and have you start measuring it out. It's it's a good it's a good tactic. It's working well and Ostrak has finally opened his account and I think we might see a big flurry from him in the next few games. Let's hope so. Uh 
Another one was uh, uh, Roman Berkey gets the clean sheet. I mean, there's not a lot of stats for goalkeepers. This one oftentimes is more on the defense than on the goalkeeper. But Berkey did come up big in this match, especially on that one shot against Cowell. So he earned his clean sheet tonight, or last night, I should say, as we record on uh, Sunday. Yeah, but like we haven't seen Berkey get tested a lot in opportunities where he really even has a chance. So when you give him a chance, it seems like he can come up. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, biggest test, the biggest test we've seen all season is that shot from Cowell right at the spot where he had to come up huge. Outside of that, yeah. it's either a goal no keeper on the planet in the history of forever could save or it's right in his bread basket. Exactly. You know, it, it's it, he hasn't been really tested and except for like one or two shots. And I knowing that knowing that he can come up big when he needs to and when it's theoretically possible but he can make it actually possible to make the save i i have a lot of hope and i think the first couple games he may have needed those good easy saves to get him back into the the rhythm of playing because he had been out of that starting position in dortmund for so long yep and uh moving along uh the official man of the match by the team was klaus uh what thoughts do you guys have on your man of the match uh, yeah, big man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> you said that the notable player should be for Edu Lubin. I would say that this also should be the Edu Lubin Award for his contributions to football history. But <laughs> uh, motion, motion to make the notable players section actually be become the memorial to players burned by Edward Lubin, <laughs> and then the man of the match is the Edward Lubin celebra- celebratory minute. <laughs> yeah, doing like an in memoriam for the other team. <laughs> Players whose ankles have been broken by Adeluvan. Um <laughs> pancaked by drunk dump truck driver. <laughs> I will actually say though, I think my man of the match is Nico Giochini. He went out and Good had job. himself a great game, checked back in that midfield very well, played well off and onto Klaus and just this is the Giochini that I think a lot of us saw potentially when there was talks of him being the next top U.S. striker. And if he can play at this level and still continue to grow, because he is still very young, um, if we can continue to see him grow and play at this level and then further up the level, we might be able to see what we all thought we could see from him. And this was a flash of that greatness. I hope it's not a flash and it becomes a long, extended, open, open frame of glory for him. Yeah, I do think uh, he didn't really get a chance to show it last season in the half season with uh, Orlando, but I think this system fits his skill set, and I think he feels pretty comfortable here. Me, I'll give it to the big man. He did a lot, did a lot in this game. So looking ahead, next week, March 25th, we'll be at Rio Tinto in Salt Lake City to take on Real Salt Lake. Uh, That will be an 8.30 Central start time as it's played in the Mountain Time Zone. Uh, This is during a FIFA uh, international window, so players will be gone on international duty. RSL's got some big losses, especially Jefferson Savarino will be out. Uh, We will have Miguel Perez going to the, what is it, the U19s? U19s. Yeah, and uh, Jabula Bloom has been called up the South African team. Uh, He's been very sick, hasn't been able to play. There's been some controversy uh, with the uh, South African head coach coming to the press to say that St. Louis City was not being forthcoming about what was going on with him, that he talked to the player. The player said he had COVID, and Lutz had a statement that he put out that, yes, they have been in contact with them, and it's all ugly and just our first taste of what is often some infighting between national team coaches and club coaches. Pretty common in the sport. Uh, I do want to say before we move on to that, that those final thoughts, it's it goes, it should be stated that currently there are five teams that are winless and five teams that are undefeated, but only one team that only has wins. Who's that team with only wins, guys? Do 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 we do we know them? I I don't think I've ever heard of them. They're this new upstart Kansas? team called St. Louis City. 
No, it's not the great, Kansas, the greatest, is it? No, it's not the, the greatest soccer team on earth. Yeah, the greatest soccer team in history. <laughs> yeah, the greatest soccer team in history. Um, but yes, it, it is us. It is City. We are the only perfect team through four weeks. Uh, the other teams that are undefeated, though, are Atlanta going three wins, one draw, no losses. Cincy is at two wins, two draws. LAFC, having had a bye already, is at two wins and a draw. And the Loons are at two wins and a draw. But getting into those winless teams... This is the important bit, because these are the teams who are losing points that they really should be winning, when in reality, they're just dropping points. Uh, the Fire have two draws and a loss. The Whitecaps have two draws and two losses. The Galaxy have two draws and a loss. The Colorado Rapids have one draw and three losses. But more importantly, FKC has two draws and two losses, and it took and one goal. It took them until match day four to score their first goal, and they got bodied on Twitter by the city Twitter account. That was very funny. Congratulations. And very well deserved, too. Yeah. So, any last random thoughts about the game before we uh, close this one down? Um, yeah, so we've talked about Nico and Klaus, um, but somebody I forgot to mention during the notable players is Sam Adinaran's really got stuff that I really like seeing. Uh, he came in as a substitute and didn't get on the score sheet, but once again, looked electrifying up there up front. Yeah, him and uh, AZ Jackson apparently did play with City 2, got some time to play. You get some sharpness back. They both got into this match. And uh, just a little last... U.S. men's national team thought uh, Tim Weah is no longer on the roster for the Nations League for the U.S. men. Uh, Jordy McAlevick has been added. And also want to tell you that uh, you've probably seen them out. They were at uh, the pregame extravaganza at Schlafly. Uh, Nico Sports has their full-sized inaugural commemorative match soccer ball that they are selling. Uh, it's a really sharp thing. If you're looking for something to commemorate this season, uh, take a look at that. And, uh, you could get, find that at nicosports.com, N-I-K-C-O sports.com. This is not a paid sponsorship. This is not a paid sponsorship. (laughs) But it's a nice thing. So check it out. And that's it for this week. I am your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. I'm your resident cave dwelling hooligan press box man, Sean. And we are now the River City Ramble Podcast, FKC. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye for now.